0: org. Enjoy.
1: Hi, everyone. I am Crystal Doncor, Assistant Professor at SUNY New Paltz, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Crystal Lynn Webster at the University of British Columbia about her new book, Beyond the Boundaries of Childhood, African-American Children in the Antebellum North. Hi, Crystal.
0: Hi, Crystal. Thank (laughs) you so much for chatting with me today.
1: It's my pleasure. And I, I just want to give a full disclaimer. I know Crystal from graduate school, and I have been able to have a kind of background inside look at this project in development. It's really amazing. If you don't own this book, go get it. Um, and Crystal, so I'm happy you're going to be able to share some insights about your process with everybody. Thank you. Well,
0: I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. We've talked so much about this project, and you've had such an important role in it. So it's such a Thank pleasure. You.
1: Well, let's get to it. One of the first things um, that I think everyone would want to know is how do you get to a topic like this? What inspired you? Can you give us a bit of a window into your intellectual journey?
0: Absolutely. So this project comes a lot from my own sort of personal experience, specifically working with children. Um, I've worked with children in a variety of settings, but I think the most, um, important setting for this project was as a school teacher in the Mississippi Delta. Um, I taught fourth grade math and science. And while I had that experience, I just had a brief glimpse into the life and the world of children and specifically black children and black children who found, um, found ways to, uh, be imaginative in really limiting settings and found ways to um have um their own sort of culture specific to the world of black childhood that as an adult i was privileged just to even um see for for just a moment and that experience taught me a lot i think about um systemic structures of oppression that affect black children specifically today and um in uh, our education system but also taught me about yeah what what the world of childhood has that's so different from from what adult visions are of it and how important it is to really um, amplify that world and to interrogate it and to approach it with curiosity and what children can tell us um, about adults that we ourselves aren't really aware of so that um, experience was so meaningful to me and then I took that experience with me to graduate school. I went to grad school at the University of Massachusetts Amherst Department, the Du Bois Department of Afro-American Studies. Shout out to the Du Bois Department, a fantastic program, one of the oldest programs in Afro-American studies in the country. Um, And I, while I was at UMass, was really intrigued by my surroundings being in the Northeast and thinking about. What it meant to be Black in the Northeast at different historical moments, particularly during slavery and the end of slavery. And what fascinated me about um, the setting in which I was doing my research and the access to the archives that I had in the region was that for many of the surrounding areas, Black children had a particular experience of slavery and emancipation um, especially around um, indentured servitude and gradual emancipation. And that's really what Beyond the Boundaries of Childhood focuses on, is how that specific transition from slavery to freedom affected Black children in places where gradual emancipation was the process of ending slavery, and children, Black children were continually exploited through gradual emancipation as indentured servants until they reached adulthood. Um, And for some children, adulthood was defined as old as age 28. So that really became um, my primary sort of point of inquiry and curiosity while doing my research uh, in Massachusetts. And that became Beyond the Boundaries of Childhood. And I'm still thinking about how issues of childhood and specifically how Black children's historical experiences affect broader institutions, institutions like slavery, um, institutions like child welfare and reform, and um, institutions like education and the carceral system. So these are still my primary research questions.
1: Wow. One, I'm so ashamed to say I didn't know that those were the roots of your project. And and that's that's really great. I think the best work comes from our own personal experience and perspective. So that's just a wonderful origin story. Um, You mentioned uh, in that answer that you attended the uh, UMass Department of Afro-American Studies. Um, And that brings me to our next question because while childhood studies is an important field, Uh, that you engage and you do that very well. It's not the only field, right? You work at the intersections of of so many different fields. So can you talk about what it's like to do this work at the intersections of childhood studies, Black studies, and even feminist studies?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the work, um, getting at the experiences of Black children you really have to have an interdisciplinary approach, um, both in terms of the kinds of fields that I'm engaging, but also in terms of methodology. Right. So I definitely see the work um, speaking to fields of childhood studies um, and black studies and as well as gender studies. But I I think it's most important for me because I couldn't um, really highlight the voices and experiences of black children without pulling on these um, different methodological frameworks, and these are the frameworks that I was exposed to and trained in at um, the Department of Black Studies at UMass Amherst. (laughs) So um, I was really influenced by um, scholars, uh, including Robin Bernstein and Nazera Wright in um, childhood studies and girlhood studies, as well as scholars in Black studies and Black feminist studies like Sadia Hartman and um, even scholars in sort of foundational works on um, on slavery and um, Black women's histories like Dinah Ramey Berry and um, and Wilma King, certainly. And I think that all of these different approaches to the historical archive were really essential for me to Um, locate the voices of of Black children, certainly on all sorts of margins, both margins of race, margins of gender, and also margins of age, right? That their um, sort of existence in the historical archive would not be where we would imagine it to be. And so for me, I kind of combine these methodologies to come up with a way of um, thinking about Black childhood as what I define as a kind of metaphysical space so um in other words i define um it as both geographic in the way that we can trace um spaces that recognized black children like physical spaces that recognize black children schools for black children orphanages for black children and juvenile reformatories as well as as well as states and statuses of childhood um, those states and statuses include um, innocence. They include um, being categorized legally as an adult or even being categorized legally as an indentured servant or as enslaved or as free. And so what's really interesting about Black children in this time period, particularly the period before the Civil War and in the American North, is that they move in and out of all these categories right they're not static um there's so much movement and recognition and also um a lot of rejection right and so that was really important for me to think about um methodologically as this kind of metaphysical space and for that black feminist theory was really essential um and especially the work of Antezagi Shange, um, thinking about gender as a kind of metaphysical dilemma, really allowed me to trace and highlight Black children's movement in and out of these um, social categories of analysis.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. And in in that response, you said the magic word, which is archive. Um, I have a bit of a non-traditional archival question for you. Uh, Can you talk about... um, your time in the archive, not just like oh yeah, this is me finding things and <laughs> bringing new kind of visions of analysis um, to the kind of artifacts and uh, that I'm finding and documents, but what it's like to be a black mother writing about black childhood, right? Like you're writing about black childhood in a particularly perilous period, and then you know there's so much about the state of black childhood also today erupting all around you. What is that experience like?
0: Yeah, thank you. I love that question. And I rarely get to talk about that archival experience, not just of the kind of archival find, but of the very real experience of being a black woman in an archive and a black mom looking at this um very violent archive often of Black childhood. Um, so I think it really takes a lot of um a lot of strategic um approaches to the archive to protect oneself, to protect one's um, emotional state, and also to protect, um, I mean really, to protect our our loved ones, our family, our children. So for me, I was super fortunate to have a long-term dissertation fellowship at a research archive at the Library Company of Philadelphia, which gave me um, the incredible thing, which is time, gave me so much time to um, be in the physical space of the archive, but also time to not be in the physical space of the archive too. Um, to take time away from archives to think and to digest and to engage on my terms, which is incredible. Um, having that opportunity was really transformative for me. Um, and that was through the Mellon program in African-American history at the library company. So shout out to that fantastic program. Um, my approach to the archive, because of that um, important sort of um, identity that I have, and and to the fact that these archives are colonial violent spaces was to, um, I'm gonna talk kind of like uh, materially about it, <laughs> was to be in the archive, gather as much as I could while in the archive, and then, like I said, leave the archive to analyze and digest that material. Um, I could not engage with the the depth and the magnitude of the content that I was looking at in the physical space um, because it yeah it can be quite overwhelming and emotional. Um, so that's just kind of like a, a material how you do the, the the work that you do kind of answer. And then on like a more um, kind of ideological um way of thinking about it or approaching it i think like i said it's it's so important to protect oneself and one's own um sort of emotional health through these processes and um it i think it gets harder actually as i move um through the material um later in life even or even as my children are are growing up when i started the project I had one very young child first and then I had two very young children. Now that my kids are the ages of the subjects of the book, um this book and even my um subsequent books, it's even harder and it affects me even more than it did um than it did when I was writing on Uh, at earlier stages. And I think that that's just uh, something that I'm still sort of working through and and thinking about. And as I said, it's also important to kind of think about how we're protecting our loved ones and the kinds of stories we are telling. Um, Sometimes I think the impulse is to highlight the incredible um, violence and horrific nature of some of the histories that we're telling. And and sometimes I think that that has a purpose and uh, a meaning. And then recently I've kind of had a, a bit of a change in how I'm how I'm portraying things. And I think maybe it doesn't have the same meaning. And that I have a, a bit more of um, a stance that would kind of be reflected in some of Sadia Hartman's work about um, about not wanting to kind of have a voyeuristic. Um, take on violence, in particular violence against Black children. Um, so that's something that I'm I'm still thinking about how to balance that, and I think it is an evolution. I think it changes that we're as we're at different stages of, of our lives and at different stages of um, managing our our families and our our loved ones. And I think that it's um, important for me to articulate that. So, I, like I said, I really appreciate that question, and I think um, all of us should have a kind of there's nothing wrong with having a kind of politics
1: around that. No, I I think that's a rich answer. And and I think that almost sounds like an invitation, right, to the listeners to think about that. Depending on our position to the research that we study, it's really important that we strategize to take care of ourselves, right? And that, you know, you're also enforcing this idea that care needs to be a part of our archival practice. One, the kind of integritous care that we take with what we work on, but also for ourselves, because it is taxing, right, labor. Um, So thank you.
0: Thank you for that question. Now, looking
1: forward, I actually have an additional bonus question that you're not expecting, so um, stay tuned for that. Uh, But before that question, uh, if we believe that the spirit of research is all about not having the last word on something, right, we come to it where we are, we lay it all out on the page, and the next scholar takes it forward, what is that next scholar right in your perfect vision what's that next scholar doing with your work where do you see someone being able to move your work forward
0: yeah i think i left a lot of questions unanswered a lot of doors open in the project i think one of the areas i sort of already referenced in terms of um the legacies of the project um one of them is child welfare and child welfare reform i think that there are many ways that I'm um, with Beyond the Boundaries of Childhood, referencing um, larger institutions that come at later later points and later moments, including um, the child welfare movement and the kind of racialized historical origins of it. Um, And we have some new projects that are doing work to look at, um, particularly in the 20th century, child welfare, But I think we need to go back earlier. I think we really need to look at this moment and make those direct connections between what private institutions were doing in my book, like um, abolitionist organizations or organizations that had these um, colored orphanages and draw those direct lines to what becomes um, the welfare state in child welfare and how um, the violence that that um, that that institution does in terms of breaking up families has many origins in um, in slavery and in the emancipation process in the North. And then similarly, I think we can draw these kind of direct lines to um, strategies of exploitation post-emancipation in the South around breaking up families and um, further exploiting black labor and and make those kinds of um make those kinds of direct connections to um the precedents set in the US north and i think that those kinds of um those kinds of historical arguments centering children is is really the only way to illuminate um the historical um the historical linea- lineages of these processes and also that i think that these kinds of historical arguments um have the potential to really overturn um how we think about movements that were previously deemed progressive and um beneficial on a kind of racial um element um when, when when if we focus on black children it becomes much more complicated and much more nuanced so those are kind of some big questions that i still have about the project and some some ways that i think people can can keep um can keep interrogating it and then i think i think that many scholars in black childhood who are sort of leading these new conversations are really pointing us to the historical significance of black children and i think that that's certainly a kind of bigger um bigger field that has much more um much potential to develop in really impactful ways.
1: Thank you. And I'm sure listeners um, are going to wait with bated breath for some of those subjects to be taken, taken up. Um, But what about you, right? What subjects are you taking up around black childhood in the future or have you taken up since your book? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely. So with beyond the boundaries, I um, was really shocked to find examples of people encountering Black children in adult prisons um, in the early 19th century, really at the start of the prison movement. And that inspired my next project, which is called Condemned, How American Criminal Justice Terrorized Black Children. And similarly to kind of how I gestured to the significance of Black children in these broader historical trends and movements. Um, this book really centers Black children in the story that we tell about the origins of um, the criminal justice system in America, beginning with the youngest person ever executed in the United States, who was an Afro-Indigenous girl who was 12 years old named Hannah Oakwish, um, and ending with um, the rise of the prison and penitentiary movement in which Black children were massively disproportionately represented, even um, at its earliest moments. So again, I think that this project is an example of the kinds of work that I see um, happening in childhood studies and in Black studies, where we really center um, these underrepresented, underrepresented categories and underrepresented populations and have completely new histories of widely accepted um, historical phenomena.
1: Thank you, Crystal. It has been such a pleasure talking to you about your work. Uh, As I said before, I, I own a copy. If you don't own a copy, get a copy and keep your eye out for Crystal's new work in the future.